I love Christmas so much. Anybody else? Like Christmas, it's like the best. I love it so much. I love this time of year. I love the gifts. Anyone else love the gifts? Really? That's it? You love the gifts? Yeah, I love the gifts. Um, okay, quick. I got a quick poll for you guys. Quick poll. Um, who would rather, who would rather, who likes getting actual gifts or gift cards? We're the actual gift people. You want an actual gift to open up. All right, who wants gift cards? Really? Man, you're just like, I just want the money to spend on what I want to spend it on, right? But I want you to know tonight, the importance and the value of the gift determines its worth, right? So the importance and the value, it usually determines the worth of the gift. So you can get me a gift, and I'm going to love it. It's going to be a great gift, or... or um. And ain't going to be just something that you got. You can give me a gift card. And I'm like, oh, that's the man. That's special. That's awesome. Thank you. That's a blessing. It's a huge deal. Or what you can do is you can get me a gift that took thought, that took time, that took um, you, you putting effort into it. And it's going to mean a whole lot more. Right? So tonight, I want to ask you this. If you're with me, what is Jesus worth to you? What is he worth to you? And so if you look at the Christmas story, if you look at the wise men, like, like the wise men traveled for many miles, for months, to bring Jesus gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The shepherds, like the, the, the blue-collar workers of this day, like Jesus was so worth it that they left their flocks of sheep to come and to find and to worship him. Mary and Joseph, to Mary and Joseph, he was worth having their engagement and their wedding plans totally wrecked. To have their reputation ruined, to have people gossiping about them. He was worth them ruining their, uh, he was worth them um, running for their lives into Egypt as refugees. Jesus was worth all that. So the question is tonight, and here's what I want you to ask yourself if, if you're taking notes, what is, he, what is Jesus worth to me? What's he worth to me? And real quick tonight, I have three simple, really quick things that I want to give you that we're going to have just a few short moments in our fam times together, and then we're just going to hang out, have fun, play games, drink coffee, have hot chocolate, eat cookies, do, the, do all the stuff. So if you hang with me, for just for three quick questions that I want you to remember, I want you to catch tonight. Um, these are three quick questions that the Christmas story demands. The first thing is this. When does God show up? When does God show up? Look at the person next to you. Look him right in the face and say, when does God show up? That's right. So Listen. To answer that question, listen, to answer that question, I want to show you, oh, no, where's it at? Anybody have a Bible on them, an actual Bible? I, I, I left mine in my office right here. Good. I need this. I want to show you this. I want to show you this. Um, check this out. And I can find it in, in his Bible, too, because I have the same Bible. All right. So check this out. The first question is what? When does God show up? 
Let's see. Let's see. Aha. Here we go. So I'm gonna, I found it. This is a really, really powerful page in the Bible. I've actually never heard anyone preach on this page in the Bible. And I've grown up, I've been in church my whole life. I've never heard anybody preach on this page in the Bible. Here is where God shows up. I want to show everybody. Do you see that? Do you see that? Okay. So, it's a powerful page. What this page does right here, it separates the Old Testament and the New Testament in the Bible. And, and, and when you do this, when you separate in that time frame between the Old Testament and the New Testament, what you do is um, you have traveled for 400 years in silence. Between the Old Testament and the New Testament, there was 400 years of silence. So for 400 years, God didn't say anything at all. He didn't say anything at all. God didn't send a prophet. He didn't send a preacher. He didn't send an apostle. Nothing. Silence. Listen, I, I got to ask you tonight, have you ever felt like God was silent to you? Maybe, maybe you here in this room, maybe you were crying out to God. And maybe you needed an answer to prayer. Maybe you're battling through some things and, and you get in return absolutely nothing. What do you do when God is silent? What do you do when you're actually living out the song, Silent Night? Here's what I want you to know. God does his greatest work when it's quiet. He does his greatest work when he's quiet. See, just because he, speak, he isn't speaking doesn't mean that he's not moving. God, Don't walk away from God because he's silent. And here's the temptation of a lot of us is that uh, I prayed and I didn't get an answer or something didn't happen or this didn't take place or I'm not hearing from God right now and we're, we get tempted to walk away from, from God. Don't walk away from God because he's silent. See, it's no wonder when God is about to make the greatest announcement in all of history, the, the announcement of Jesus, that he went silent first. Did you know here at Emerge, the absolute hardest job to do is give announcements? Right? And, and, and so it, it's loud, and here's what's usually taking place. You're standing up here. You're trying to give announcements. Right, Maddie? Right, Kristen? Nick's not here, but like you're standing up here. You're trying to give announcements. Everyone's talking. Everyone's on their phone. And everyone in the front row is like this because they're trying to fight their way to the front. They're waiting for you to shut up so they can get to the front, right? People are talking. And so what's going on? There's all this commotion. There's all this talking. There's all these things happening. So people miss the announcements. That's why we're like, shh, shh, shh everybody quiet. And once you have their attention, you give the announcement. See, when it gets time for the announcement, that's not the time to walk away. See, that's a clue to lean in because something important is about to be said. God shows up when you get quiet. God's silence is never his absence. And so here, here's actually... 
Um, I'm going to share this, and I, and I hope this is okay, because here's part of what inspired this message tonight. Uh, last night, I was at a basketball game, and, uh, and it was a really good basketball game. It went into overtime. Uh, I saw the Grain Valley boys win, or I'm, so, I'm sorry, oh, almost win, almost win. It was a really good game, and then I, um, I watched the Grain Valley girls basketball, like, totally win, and um, so here's the deal. Before, though, before the, the boys basketball game, I was sitting with Styles, and we were hanging out, we were talking, and um, I was talking with Styles, I was talking with my friend Styles, and Styles was telling me about uh, his phone's been broken for like five days or something like that, yeah, and, um, and here's, here's what's going on, and I love this, I love this, catch this, here's what Styles said, Styles told me, he said, I just thought it would be a good time for me uh, to read my Bible and to focus on God if I didn't have my phone. So when Styles was in a place where the outside world was silenced, where this was silenced, where everything was silenced, he didn't have all of those distractions in his life. And that, in that moment, is when God showed up and he spoke to Styles. Styles was telling me some of what he, he learned. He read, actually read through the whole book of Romans. And he was telling me last night, and he even told me a little bit tonight, some things that he caught and some things that he learned. And, and since he finished all of that and he was about to start on Matthew, which was really awesome. And, and some of you tonight here in this room, God wants to speak to you and give you direction, but your life is too noisy. See, God shows up when we get quiet. Why do you guys think that, that when we go to camp, you guys have gone to camp? Or, or maybe winter retreat because phone service is terrible at retreat? Why do you guys think that in those moments that God shows up big in your life? Why do you think camp is so powerful? Because, and, and I'm not preaching against phones tonight. I've, I've got one and I use it all the time. But you're, a lot of times you're away, you're separated from your distractions. You give place for God to show up. And so maybe God will show up when we begin to shut up. The second thing I want you to know tonight is this. You would think that after all of this silence, after 400 years, that the beginning of the New Testament, the beginning of Matthew, would be like this grand announcement of Jesus. But that's not what happens. If you look at Matthew 1.1, it starts with the family tree of Jesus. Like after 400 years of silence, you would think it would be like, and here's Jesus, he's coming onto the earth, he's amazing, he's wonderful. Nah, we're going to start with the family tree of Jesus. If you've ever opened up, anybody, you like opening gifts. If you've ever opened up a gift, um, you've ever opened up a great gift, you know that there's got to be some wrapping paper, Right? Before you get to the gift, you got to open it up and you got to get through the wrapping paper. And, and so that's what Matthew 1 through 17, 18, I think it is. That's what this is. So this is Jesus's family tree. This is the wrapping paper on the whole thing. And the wrapping paper is not the gift itself, but it's still important. Did you know when it starts to go through uh, Jesus's family tree in Matthew, um, there's crazy people in Jesus' family tree. Like, you thought your family was crazy. 
There's crazy people in Jesus's family tree. Um, in this culture, in this time, and in this era, like your family tree, the culture, the, the people, your, your ancestry, where you came from was so important. So, and I want to tell you this tonight, Matthew, um, his gospel, the gospel of Matthew was written specifically for Jewish people. And, and so even in this time, that's, that's why he lists the whole family tree of Jesus and maybe the other gospels uh, don't, is because he was written to Jew, writing to Jewish people and they, to them, your family tree, your family heritage is a huge deal. And when you're talking family, you're talking about prestige, you're talking about importance, like this was a really, really big deal. But Jesus' family, it was, it was some kind of different. Um, first of all, in fa- if you've ever read, I want to encourage you to go and read. You're like, it's going to be all these names. You may not get it, but I, I want to help you understand a little bit. Um, but first of all, if you start to read through Jesus's family tree, women would never be put in this list. Females would never be put on this list. Like this was a, a patriarch, patriarchy, patriarchal, patriarchal. What's that? It was a misogynistic society. That's what, it was all about the male. It was all about the man. And in, in this time, nobody recognizes a woman in your family tree. But what happens? Here comes Jesus. Here comes Jesus, and he changes it up. He mixes it up, and he makes the woman, he makes ladies in our lives important. And and it's not even just one woman. He lists five different women in his family tree. I'm thankful for a God who doesn't discount women. I'm thankful for a God who, who calls women just as well as he does men. I, I, if I had time, I would break down all these names of these women and all these people, but there was Tamar, there was, there was Rahab, there was Ruth, Bathsheba was even mentioned here, and Mary. And some of these women, they were bad. They were baddies. <laughs> it was like, think about this, think about Rahab, Rahab. Rahab was a prostitute. She's in Jesus' family tree? You gotta be kidding me. Like Bathsheba, who committed adultery with King David? Ruth, she was a pagan Moabite woman. Like, and not only was she a woman, a Moabite, she was a different race. These women are on this Mary, the teenage girl? And there's others, even in his family tree, he talked about Abraham. Abraham, if you, if you read about Abraham, yes, he's, he's wonderful and he's great. He did a lot of great things. But Abraham had a problem with lying. Jacob, his actual name means deceiver. And here's what I wanna ask you. Why do you think God can't use you? Why do you think that God can't use, if he can use these people, Abraham, Tamar, Ruth, Mary, why do you think he can't use you? And that, that's the next question. That's the thing, second thing I want to ask you tonight. Who can God use? The answer is anybody. Who can God use? Everybody say it. Anybody. 
Anybody. So listen, if God, listen, if God can use Jesus's messed up family tree, that lets you know that God uses imperfect people to accomplish his perfect plan. Uh, do this for me. Um, our adult leaders in the room, would you raise your hand? If you're one of our adult leaders in this room, we got some in the back, some around here. Our adult leaders, in, look, at, look around, look at our adult leaders here. I want you, do you, do you see the, hang on, hang on, yeah. You see these people. You see these people in the room. I want you to know tonight, shh, if you knew their testimony, you'd be shocked about who's leading you. If you knew what they used to do, who they used to be, um, may, if you knew what some of our people used to do, what some of us used to be, um, you wouldn't feel any shame in coming to church. See, the problem with church people is that sometimes they forget where they came from. And we get judgmental towards people who are battling and dealing with things that we once dealt with. I want to tell you in this room, we have people in this room who've been divorced. We have people in this room who, who have struggled with lying. We have people in this room who battle anxiety. We have people in this room who have major doubts and major fears. We have people in this room who battle depression, people who have been on drugs, people who have been addicted to alcohol. Shall I go on? I'm not. But if God can use them, he can use anybody. So what's your excuse? That's why, I'm, that's why, for me, I get so excited for moments like winter retreat and launching into this next year. And I believe that God is going to use many of you in this room to do great and mighty things this next season because God can use anybody. I also want you to know that your family tree cannot deter you, cannot deter you from God's plan for you. Just because it ran in your family doesn't mean it has to continue with you. Just because it's something that's happened in the history of your family doesn't mean it has to continue with you. You see, um, we're, we're told about Jesus's family tree because the Bible wants you to know that maybe, just maybe, you can't pick your family heritage. You can't pick your family tree, but you can determine your legacy. See, I don't get to choose my heritage. Like, I, I don't know if this is true. My dad's told me this before. He could have been just totally joking. He, I think uh, my dad's side of the family came from Tennessee and we were all moonshiners and horse thieves. But I don't know if that's true or not. But you, you can't pick your heritage, but you can leave a legacy. You can begin a legacy. I can change my legacy. Hear me, student in this room with divorced parents, you can change your legacy. That don't have to be you. Hear me, student in this room, I, I know maybe alcoholism runs in your family, but today you can change your legacy. Hear me, student in the room with a, a, maybe a broken and a messed up family. That may have been the hand that you've been dealt, but you can change your legacy. See, God shows up in silence. Who can he use? Anybody. Last question is this, what does God want? He wants you. God wants you. See, it would be a, a travesty tonight 
for you to come to a place like this, to be a part of a family of God like this, but to never fully give yourself to him. See, I've been saying this, um, we've said this a few times to to my leaders, and it's something that I want to continually push here at Emerge. Um, I don't want students to show up here more than three times in their life, not get changed. Yes, God can use anybody, but just because he can't, just because he can, it doesn't mean you know him. He can use anybody. The Bi- There's moments in the Bible where God used a donkey. There was a moment it says, if you don't cry out, these rocks are going to do it. If God can use those moments, he can use you. God can use anybody, but you got to know him. The Bible even says this, in the last days, that people are going to cry out, and they're going to say stuff like, hey, didn't we heal the sick in your name? God, didn't we cast out demons in your name? We did all these great works in your name. And he'll say, depart from me, because I never knew you. See, I don't want that to be said about you. I don't want that to be said about any student in this room. What does God want this holiday season? What's he want for Christmas? He wants, he wants you. Listen, the, that's the best give, gift that you could ever give. And, and, and I'm not saying this. A lot of us come to church here. A lot of us show up regularly on Wednesdays, and some of us, even on Sundays, we show up. We, we're here regularly. We have a good time. We've, we've had great experiences. We have, we've had good moments. But have you really given your life to God? Or has it been just a moment? The best gift you could ever give is you, is giving your life to God. Jesus came from heaven to earth because he wants you. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life.